This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. My name is Yuval. I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub, which is a blog, a newsletter, a platform that educates writers from all over the world about how to become better at UX writing, content design, and to write copy that creates impact in digital interfaces. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Sarah Kessler, and she is a UX writer at a very interesting company that we're going to cover named Gympass. Sarah, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Happy to be here. So I know Sarah basically for like, I guess, one year, yeah. even more than that, from our, our program from the UX Learning Academy and Sarah did like a really interesting transition going from, Sarah will explain about her background, doing the transition to UX Learning, which is extremely cool and I love her story and I just wanted Sarah to share her story today. So Sarah, tell me more about your background. So how did you land, end up like in UX Learning? Basically, I just got really burnt out working in like customer service and support positions. And I think some of that had to do with I became a mom. And then at home, I was doing all of this kind of support work for being a mom. And then I was going into the office and doing support work and feeling like I was the office mom. And it was just getting to be really exhausting. And I kind of took a look around at some of my friends who were working in tech companies, mostly as like engineers or developers. And they just had so much freedom, like not only financial freedom, because they were making a ton more money than I was, but, you know, they had things like unlimited vacation time and they were going on trips. And I was like, who has time to go on a trip? What is that? I don't even know what that would be like. So I got really jealous of looking at kind of their lifestyles. And I was like, there's no reason I can't also have that. So maybe I could work in a tech company. Like even even if I'm not going to be like an engineer, tech companies need all kinds of people to work there. So, you know, even if I was going to still be an office manager, the tech company has an office manager. So I started kind of looking into what that would be like. And part of that, so like this was actually slightly before I became a mom, I transitioned from working at an animal hospital where I was like a customer service representative. And I started working at a small digital media company that was like an animation production company. And also they make content for YouTube. They have like a whole bunch of different YouTube channels where they talk about like, we'll just say nerd culture, I guess. That was kind of like my foot in the door of being like, oh, like you could like your job. Like that's the thing that happens for people sometimes. And I had no idea. And it was like, my mind was just totally blown. Before that, I had just really, really hated going to work. And every time I complained about it to my friends or other people that I worked with, like they would just be like, it's like that everywhere. Like that's why they call it work. And I believed it for years. And then I moved to this other company and it was just like, oh, like the people here are really cool. I'm interested in what we're doing as a company. Like this is really a new experience. What's the name of uh, that company? So that company is called Frederator. They're based in New York and Los Angeles. They've gone through some major reorganizations since, yeah, since I've been me. there and left. So um, I think now they're focused on animation out in LA and then they are not really so much making content for YouTube anymore, but they are still very much involved in the YouTube world. But I just really enjoyed working in that environment. And then that's when I became a mom and kind of started feeling like, even though I really like it here, I feel like I can do better. 
during that time, it was kind of like a whirlwind of just like, what am I going to learn and how am I going to get into that tech world? And I was taking a bunch of classes on Udemy and I learned how to do some like front end development because I was like, maybe I want to be a developer. And then I was like, well, maybe I want to be a project manager. I don't know. So I was just kind of learning a bunch of random sort of tech or tech adjacent skills. And that was when I discovered that UX writing existed because before that I had never heard of it. And I started to see it in articles when I was reading like about other people's careers in tech. And I started Googling things like, you know, what can you do in a tech company that's not necessarily super technical? And like UX design was coming up a lot. And that was something that I had kind of heard about, but I was feeling like, like design chops were probably not going to ever be able to compete with somebody who like went to design school. I don't know if that's actually accurate or just how I was feeling at the time, but you know, it, it did feel like a big hurdle to me. And then like, while I was learning about UX design, I was like, oh, UX writing, like, what is that? And I started reading a little bit about microcopy and I was just like, it's somebody's job to write that stuff. It's like, you know, they, they wrote like what that button says or like the little help text that's right over the button. And I was like, that's so cool that that's someone's whole job to just write that stuff. And then um, I think I read um, one of, I think it was one of your articles that was like, you know, UX writing is a six figure job or something like that. And yeah. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> you can you can make how much money writing very tiny pieces of copy? Like that that sounds amazing. Like how do I get in on that? And for, I was just totally hooked after the, after I found out what it was. I was like, this is for me. So yeah, after that, I just started doing as much of it as I could. I took a bunch of really small jobs on Fiverr um, just to like say on my resume that I was a freelance UX writer. And that was actually really interesting. You were probably the first people that were doing UX writing on Fiverr because uh, I helped them to build their UX writing freelance division. It was in 2019. Oh, really? The end of 2019. Yeah, so it was right, right, it was so right it was around then really, that I started, I think, like September. It was really, really new over there. Yeah, basically in September. Well, no wonder I was getting so many inquiries because I was like, nobody's going to hire me on here. And like within a couple of days, I had like a client from a company that I had heard of before, which was wild. <laughs> I was, And it was uh, Mixed Tiles. Oh, yeah, um, there is me write, like, Yeah, they had me write like one tiny piece of microcopy for like $5. And I was just like, I'm a professional. I did it. <laughs> so that was cool. You know, it definitely was not a good way to make money. And I don't, I don't really recommend that as a lifestyle choice to anybody. But for me, just getting started, it was really helpful to just have a couple of jobs under my belt and kind of see what was out there and see what people expected from a UX writer. I think one of the main challenges on Fiverr is that like, you're sort of competing with other freelancers to undercut each other. So like, like I had to put my starting price as $5, which is like basically a crime, I think. <laughs> like, like, you know, and, and for $5, what kind of work are you really going to do? So it wasn't like I was doing research or like reading a company's like whole style guide or like, I don't know, doing any of the actual work of, UX. I was just sort of like, I don't know, this sounds fine. Here you go. <laughs> and so it was, it was more copywriting than it was anything else, but it still gave me like a couple of things that to think about and like a foot in the door, I think. But then after doing that for a long time, I was like getting to the point where I was like, you know what, even though I have a full-time job and I am not doing this for money, it still really does not feel good that somebody asked me to write like 
I don't know, I had to write like 75 gamification badges and they paid me like peanuts for it. But I had to turn it around in a really fast amount of time too. So it was like really stressful and not really worth it. And I was like, you know what? I actually feel like I have more skills and I'm at the point where I can actually turn down some of these jobs. And it got to be more and more turning it down than accepting it. And then I was like, you know what? I really need like a job job (laughs) that's going to be like actual UX writing where I'm going to actually get to dig into the product and get to know the company's goals and get to know their their voice and their tone and their, and like just every, everything about the company and the product, instead of just like, here's this one page, can you make it better with no context? And I was really having a lot of trouble finding jobs that like nobody wanted to like get back to me. I would apply to things and just never hear back. Um, and then the pandemic happened and I was at home and my job was still around, but my job at the time was heavily focused on like being in the office. So working from home left me with a lot of free time. And it just was like the perfect time. The UX Writing Hub Academy course was about to start. And I was just like, you know what? It might really be worth investing in myself a little bit more than just like trying it and hope like throwing things at the wall and hoping something sticks. So that's when I took the course over the summer in, or it was like summer and fall of uh, 2020, which was kind of a weird experience, but also a really good experience. And uh, at the end of it, I got like a bunch of offers, like almost right away. Um, And then uh, a few months later, I heard back from Gym Pass where I'd actually applied and I think I applied to them in November. And then I finally heard back from them in March. So it took a while, but when I finally did hear back, things, you know, started moving and uh, I eventually got hired there. So that's what I'm doing now. Amazing. It's important to say the Gympas is like a unicorn company. I don't know how much they're worth now, but like a lot of money. I've been following them for a while and it's like, it's a Brazilian company originally, right? Yeah. So they started in Brazil and then they opened up to markets in Europe. So starting in Portugal, which kind of makes sense for the language, but they have people working all over the world. Um, Right now, the the HQ has moved to New York, but it's still very much like culturally, I think, a Brazilian company. How is it Um, to work in a Brazilian company? It's so great. Um, Yeah. Like I kind of never want to work with Americans again. (laughs) You know, some of it might be, this is like, this is my first like big tech company and maybe it's like this in other places, but it just feels like they're really living their values. So Gym Pass is, their mission right now is called Making Wellbeing Universal. So it's all about not just physical fitness, but it's more, it's more like activity. Like you don't have to like be super cut to be a successful like gym passer. Like, you know, you you just need to like get out and get moving, do something, you know, their, their old mission was sort of like helping people find an activity to love. So it wasn't like you need to go out and be bodybuilding, but if that's what you want to do, great, like go out and be a bodybuilder. But if you want to maybe just go for a 15 minute walk, awesome. You did a 15 minute walk. Like that's really great, but they're expanding into more like wellness and well being spaces. So like mindfulness, therapy, and that like yoga, like other other things that are about like all all around well-being. So what I love about them is that they really are very committed to these values, even for employees. So it's not like we're showing up at work and they're really like pushing your nose to the grindstone and making everybody 
work constantly, like an overtime and no respect for your work-life balance. It's totally the opposite of that, where they're like, I had an onboarding meeting the other day where one of the VPs, instead of talking to us about like, here's the company structure, here's like everyone who reports to me and this is my job, or like none of that. He was just like, if anyone's feeling stressed because you're new here, like, you know, we'll help you get like, talk to a professional for mental health support. And it was just like, everybody should feel comfortable. And if you need help, ask for it and we'll make sure that you get help. And, you know, like there, it's just so, it's so laid back compared to what I'm used to. And I feel like Americans have this like, you know, work 24 seven mentality. And like, you've got to have your full-time job and your side hustle. And if you're not doing those things, then you're like a failure at business. And this is like not at all the case at Jim Pass. They're like, they want you to get the work done, but they also want you to have personal space. They want you to be like healthy in your mind and your body. And like, these are things that you just can't do when you're working like a 14 hour shift and then you have to come back the next day and do it again. People are mean to you and other stuff that like has happened to me in in my American companies. So it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Okay, we talked about the company as a culture, but uh, what is exactly is their product? Sure. So there's like one side of it where if you run a gym or are a personal trainer or have a fitness app or something like that, you can become a partner with Gym Pass, and then Gym Pass will then go to like a company that has employees and say like, do you want to offer this benefit to your employees? And the benefit would be the employees can sign up for it and then they can access this whole network of gyms or personal trainers or apps or whatever it is Which is amazing. without having to buy individual memberships to those things. So you get the one gym pass and then you can access all that other stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. Of course, now I remember that I think when I was in New York, like I heard about people that use it and they're like, oh, yeah, you should use this and and then mm-hmm. uh, you wouldn't have to like there is one place in new york there's a couple of them there's like crunch oh, i'm forgetting the name there i'm not like a gym person i don't like going to the gym we have a gym in my building so like that the the gym membership thing was like never an issue yeah. for me i really yeah. like using the product because i use a bunch of the apps so i can do my workouts at home amazing yeah so what i was trying to say is that having this app like yeah allow you not to be like, uh, because I remember those membership was kind of pricey and, you know, you had to go to those places and to commit to X amount of time and it wasn't that cool. So Yeah. And then the other thing, I don't know if it's still like this, but I think a lot of gyms, like they don't make it easy to cancel your membership. So like if you're, if you don't want to stay for the whole year, like it's hard to get your money back or like you have to go in and cancel it in person and just like all of these kinds of policies that just really make it very unpleasant for people to get out of their commitments so this way you know if you don't want to do it anymore you just pause your gym pass membership and then that's it yeah, so that's an amazing part of the product because there's nothing like there's like nothing i hate like uh, all of those places that make it really hard to yeah. cancel subscription online and also in like physical spaces yeah and especially now in the pandemic like who wants to like go to the gym just to cancel their membership you know come on exactly <laughs> What will be your, now Now that, you know, you have a lot of, um, you learned the theory, the, the theory, like in the last year, mm-hmm. you did like a program and a, that, you know, you educate yourself, you, you read all of the articles, you talked to all of the professionals, you applied, you got a job. 
got a foot in the door. You have a team. By the way, I know that there is other. You're not the first UX writer at Gympass, right? There, there is like right. a team of UX writers. So how many people are you? Yeah, there is right now. I know Claudia, right from uh, yes, Spain. yeah. We had the event together in uh, Barcelona, like two years ago or something like that. Oh, awesome! Yeah, she's great. There's Claudia, then Susanna is the, our senior UX writer, and then Felipe. He's actually going to be departing fairly soon. Um, so right now there's three of us, and then we also just ha- um, got an intern. So she's awesome. And yeah, so there's like four, we'll say f- well, four for now. All right. So you're the first UX writer, and you're, yeah. uh, you're in. So based on what you know, based on you know the, the onboarding experience that you had for the company, what would be like your plan? What, which kind of projects would you like to tackle first in order, you know, to show the impact of UX writing for Gympass mm-hmm. so they could, you know, appreciate this, this amazing thing even more? What I'm really excited about at Gympass is that I am the only one on the team right now who's a native English speaker. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. is a really big market for us. So, you know, having that ease and familiarity with the language for the U.S. is going to be really, really impactful almost right away. So I'm really excited for all of that. I mean, I have to say I'm really impressed with everyone's English. My Portuguese is like non-existent. So <laughs> every time I talk to somebody, you know, on Zoom, they're always like, oh, pardon my English. And I'm like, why are you apologizing to me? I don't speak your <laughs> language at all. Um, I'm. It gave me an excuse to start learning it. So maybe all in right. a few months, I'll be able to say a few things. But cool. right now, my it's I'm like worse than a baby it's 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 not good but you know everyone's English is really good but there is that next level of just like total comfort and and native fluency which is always going to be a little bit different and so for you know localization in the U.S. I'm really excited because I'm gonna I know I'm gonna have a big impact like almost right away of course yes like I know from my personal experience working with Aon like Aon from our Mm -hmm. team is like our American person and is like helping me you know I'm not a native English speaker I speak English but I'm not a native English speaker right so Aon is like localizing our everything our everything like the the, the, basically the, the course materials but also the internal communication just to make sure that like I'm talking culturally in the right in the right way, right? Exactly. Because like I might on purpose miss something non-intentionally when I'm communicating with someone from the US. So Owen is like a king, is like a linguistic expert, so he's like tackling all of this. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I definitely remember him from the course and like his. I forget what you what you called it, but there was always like an article that he would do about like some kind of random grammar. Thing at the end and those were almost always my favorite that's the lexically speaking <laughs> yes lexically speaking i loved it yeah that's a good <laughs> one so yeah there's nothing like working with something someone like that and what an opportunity you know it's like the whole u.s market yeah that's amazing but you feel it's like more of like okay so now the first thing you're going to do is just to like tackle specific scenarios and say this will sound better this will be better and like just optimizing specific user flows or building an american content style guide so what do you think should be there so at gym pass one thing that is really awesome is that they have a like 90 day onboarding training process for everybody on the product team i'm not sure what it's like on other teams but at least for the product team um they don't really expect me to even start 
delivering on anything until after 30 days. And I've only been there now for about three weeks. So I'm still in that process of like, how, 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 what's everybody's workflow? Like, how do you decide what projects you're going to tackle? What's going on? So right now we are actually working on um, kind of revamping the whole, the whole app. So I'm not sure like how soon I'm going to get to be the person who says like, let's work on this part in any site. I think now, like I have this kind of like these goggles on where like anytime I interact with like a website or an app, I'm always like, what if, what if we just change this part? Like we can make this a little better. Right. You know? So, you know, I'm always noticing stuff that can be improved like whenever I'm online. So, you know, I, gym pass is no different. I definitely have already picked out some things where I'm like, I bet we could make this a little better. But as for specific projects, like right now, I'm not even like at that point yet where I can like pick one and work on it. So, uh, but I hope to get there pretty soon. Right. Of course. Like, you know, even I have friends at Google that it takes like a lot of months, not 30 days, but a lot of months until like they can even feel they start making, you know, an impact for, for the company. Yeah. Takes time. Yeah. I mean, with, I mean, Google is like so huge, like... (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, it's a big product. And I think especially with the way that we're, we're building out this kind of new version of it now, there is going to be a lot of opportunity for, say, like, you know, we're building like a checkout flow. So great. I'm going to be writing the copy for that checkout flow. Right. Every other flow that gets, that needs to get made. That's amazing. I have a really good feeling about this opportunity. I think, like, it's a really good place to be. Yeah, yeah. I have had nothing but positive experiences there so far. I'm happy to hear that. Very cool. Other than like reading about UX design, taking the UX Radio Academy, what other resources kind of help to, to learn about it? Like what kind of books, maybe what kind of people? I mean, the biggest resource is really just like the internet. <laughs> you know, I did a lot of Googling and a lot of just reading articles from like wherever so like you know even just reading like people's articles on medium and finding like you know a lot of people who are just getting started writing like oh here's what i learned in the first like 100 days working at google or whatever it is like there's a lot of ux writers who have insights on how to like get into the industry i think on medium so i've read a lot of that stuff and of course like the materials through the courses that i was taking and through the ux writing hub so there was that I didn't read a ton of books. I did read a couple of, they're actually like marketing books Mm -hmm. um, that I thought were really helpful when I was like first getting started with like writing sort of compelling copy, which is like, not that I was like struggling with it, but it was more like, I just didn't have any kind of experience with like copywriting at all. So let me look at them. They're on my bookshelf. What are those books called? They're old there, there's a lot of references to people like Lee Iacocca in them. So it's sort of like you have to get past these like old references. And I am not seeing them on my bookcase mm-hmm. anymore. But more like old school copywriting books. But yeah, they're like old school and they're books that I can't believe I'm not seeing this on my bookshelf. It's right behind me. And I really thought I knew where they were. Anyway, it's not important. <laughs> um But there were books that my old boss at Frederator, Fred Seibert, recommended to like everyone on the marketing team. And he just like had them on his bookshelf. So I just read them one day and they were like, they're really short. And I really want to tell you what they're called because they're good. But maybe I will find them later and email it to you. 
mm-hmm. because I am not seeing it. But they are really good and they kind of helped me like understand about positioning, which also was like super important for finding a job because I was using a lot of those skills and positioning myself as UX writer because I was doing this as a career transition, not as like a young person just starting out. And so learning how to sort of market myself as like a UX writer with a lot of parallel experience, even though maybe I wasn't a UX writer in my last job, was super, super helpful. So yeah, I read I read those. And yeah, just like a lot of time just going around the internet and just reading whatever was there. That's amazing. I really loved what you said about like positioning, because I feel like I also mm-hmm. had to do it myself kind of intuitively and then learning about it afterwards when it comes to my own personal brand as a UX designer and afterwards to the UX wedding hub. So what would be your tips like for people that want to position themselves? Because I'm trying right now all the time to talk to people and tell them, hey, like find some kind of a niche, maybe some kind of a small community inside of UX writing even, and just talk about it, write about it, create content around it. And for example, let's say that, you know, if you want to work in a company like Headspace as a writer, so maybe you should p- position the content you create around like mm-hmm. being a, a, around like, I don't know, heads apps for med- meditation and stuff like that. And then you'll have better chance being hired by a, a company like Headspace. So if you position yourself as the UX writer for meditation app, maybe an, a platform like Headspace will hire you. So what would be your tip for like people to position themselves in some way in order to find a job? Yeah, absolutely. So first I Googled it. So one of the two books is actually called Positioning. Okay, that's a good name. Yes, it's called Positioning, How to Be Seen and Heard in the Overcrowded Marketplace. And it's by Al Reese and Jack Trout, who also wrote the other book, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. So those are two really good books. They're very short. They're kind of fun reads. And really, you could pick either one. They, they both kind of cover a lot of the same topics. All right. I, f- I hope they have it on Audible because I really like to listen to audiobooks. Uh, they might. I don't know. I'll check it out. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I think that you kind of just need to figure out what is driving you and what you're good at. And that like whether that's for UX writing or for any other career, you know, what is making you actually want to do those things and then talk about that because... Anytime you're talking to like a recruiter or a hiring manager, there's nothing that they want to hear more than why you want to come work for them, like for them specifically. Like they don't want to hear that you need a job or that you want to get more money than your old job or any of the reasons why like everybody needs a job. That's not interesting. What they want to hear about is how great their company is and why you love it so much. So if there's, and but you know, they don't want you to lie about it either. You know, you have to come up with, that feeling that is making you excited about going to that place. So, you know, for me at Gym Pass, like I'm not somebody who loves going to the gym, but I am somebody who who wants to like make people's lives better. Like it's important to me to sort of leave the world better than it was before I came in and did something. And that was sort of what made me passionate about UX and UX writing is that like we live so much of our lives online and in digital spaces. Why would anybody want to spend any amount of time having an unpleasant experience doing on online? It's it can ruin your whole day. 
you know, case in point, I was working as an HR manager. My company had been using this really, really excellent HR platform called JustWorks. They're getting much bigger now, but when we were with them, they were still a pretty small company, you know, especially compared to other like major HR companies like ADP. They were great. They had obviously put a lot of thought into the UX of their platform. Their customer service people were super, super helpful, but I hardly ever had to call them because the product just worked so well and was really intuitive. I was not somebody who was coming into it with a ton of HR knowledge, and I could still just like go site and manage all of my employees however I needed to do it. It was so easy. Like Doing the HR stuff took up almost none of my time. It was great. And then because, you know, we wanted to save money, we ended up switching over to ADP, which is a huge, huge, huge company. And they're like the largest employer in the U.S., I think, or maybe the second largest employer in the U.S. Like they have so many companies that that manage their employees through them. And yet they've clearly also spent almost zero time thinking about their user experience. And it was so unpleasant. And it made me just despise that part of my job so much. And it ruined my day every time I had to do something with them, which was almost every day. And like their product is so poor that I think almost like 90% of the time when I needed to do something, I would try it online, waste like maybe half an hour, maybe 45 minutes trying to do something that was like a basic HR function that like you are going to need to do all the time. Or like, you know, every time you onboard a new employee, you're always going to have to fill out this form. And it would just be like, nowhere, like you couldn't find the form. And I would have to call them. And it's just like, why do you even have a website that's like this self-service platform if I'm going to have to call and then have a person talk me through it? And to the point where I think I was on a, on a phone call with one of them one time and I was like, where is this form? And she was like, oh, yeah, it's, you, can, you have to really search for it. But I was like, but why? You need this form every time you hire a new person. So like that experience really brought out to me that like a bad digital experience is a really bad just life experience and people shouldn't have to deal with this. So going back to the positioning thing, it was kind of like, I want to make sure that nobody else has to live a life where they are dealing with this kind of frustration and rage you know, <laughs> that I'm feeling right now. So what I love about UX is that it really does make people's lives better. When you deliver a positive and delightful experience to somebody, maybe they don't necessarily think to themselves, what a delightful experience I just had online. <laughs> but but you've you've made their day better by making their day easier. That's like what I was really going for. So when I was talking to Gym Pass and they were like telling me about how they're this well-being company, I was like, well, you obviously really care about people's like total well-being and that includes their emotional well-being. And you can't have a positive emotional like space when your digital space is bad. So like that's that's where I want to be and that's what I want to be doing. And I think that really resonated with them. So my advice to other people would just be like, figure out what it is about UX or whatever it is that you're trying to get into that you really love, and then figure out how that fits in with where you're trying to go. Because there's always going to be a crossover if you want to find one. That's amazing. I have a few things to comment here. Let's say when you have a great experience in digital interface, so mm -hmm. it's like your barrier is just like raised a little bit and raised a little bit and raised a little bit. That means that 
companies do not compete with their direct competitors in, in, anymore. Like mm-hmm. co- companies that work in like digital spaces compete with other companies that are doing great user experience in their apps. For example, if mm-hmm. I'm going to have this delightful user experience in my invoicing app and I'm not going to see it in my HR app, I'm going to be frustrated with that, even though those are completely yeah. two separate disciplines. And that's also something about user experience that many companies need to learn that like the competition is getting extremely crazy when other companies like small companies that now are turning to be huge companies like just work for example and you can't ignore them you have to hire a lot of ux people i don't remember the name of the the behemoth company that you you mentioned with the hr platform adp ADP, americans will know them and i'm sorry to anyone who works at adp for (laughs) <laughs> bad-mouthing your company for <laughs> half okay. an hour. But but obviously they need to hire UX people. And by the way, their challenge is way bigger than the challenge of just work. Wow. Oh, absolutely. Like, I can't even imagine what it would be like working there and trying to solve some of those UX problems because they have just, they're, they're catering to a much, much bigger and broader audience with a lot more variables and you know, ultimately what they're concerned with is making sure that they're like following the laws. <laughs> and so they're, they're, I think they're really wrapped up in their, in their like legal and finance team, which they should be. And they, and they've just haven't focused as much on making the interface actually usable to people. Exactly. And they're probably like been around since, I don't know, like probably they- yeah, forever. Forever. <laughs> and like, let's say that their website and all of their digital products kind of you know, have what we call dusty corners, you know, mm-hmm. it's like if you want to change the front end, like it will take a lot of efforts not to break anything. And like we've been yeah, there, absolutely. like places where like if you want to create the smallest change, you have to go into those craziest phases in addition to people that are actually willing to listen to you and then implement whatever work you want to do. So I definitely understand the challenge of ADP, but I, yeah, 100%. I, but that's why they need to hire a lot of UX people right now. And many companies, need to, and that's why I see like a bright future in UX. I think like, you know, just imagine like if this is where we are today, like where we're going to be in like five to 10 years when we're going to be dependent so much on technologies like, you know, medical devices. Mm-hmm. Cards, I think UX in cars is going to be a big thing, in my opinion, because like all of the cars are going to be digital soon. And like, like instead of garages, you're going to have like software updates and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe I'm a visionary here, but I feel like this is where the world is heading. Even, I don't know, even flying cars at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's kind of like my like career realization that like you don't have to live your life hating your job. Just like, you know, if you have something that's like a digital thing that's like making you annoyed to use it every time you're using it, like you don't have to do it. There is a lot of other options out there now that have better UX and like people are willing to pay more for less service from a company that is going to provide them that good experience, which I think is really, really interesting. Shows how much people really, really value UX, even if maybe in their minds, they're not thinking about it that way, but they just like, like this product better because the UX is better. I believe that uh, Apple started this trend like of creating... Oh, yeah. Like 
brilliant experiences when you open like a new computer and like this is why like there's so many people that worship apple and i think that the first ux position like the coin the ux position was in in apple as well yeah i mean that that totally makes sense they even start just from the visual design of the product like you know the iphone even before you turn it on it looks like it's gonna be nice you know even... i like the ipads you know i really like the yeah. ipads <laughs> Yeah, I mean they they have a good racket going there. They they've like trained us all to really expect these very simple like simple and clear designs, I think right from the get-go. Yeah, I agree. All right. We're heading to our last discussion, which is me and you talking about like how we should name this episode. By the way, I have an idea. I have an idea. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I should share it first, you will decide. Uh I kind of have like the seed of an idea, but I don't know. Okay, like, okay. I, I think we, we talked about positioning a lot and I feel yeah, like yeah. there's something there with that. Okay. okay so we're so, on the same track. I'm not really sure where I want to go with it though. So I take can... a long time with titles usually. So. I, I understand <laughs> is... 100%. So what I had in mind is something like, um, and I, well, we would have to reiterate on that for sure. Like something like positioning your UX writing career, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I love it. You know, simple. <laughs> and and it's exactly what we talked about here today. Yeah. In addition to like the culture of uh, Gym Pass and, and your journey, which was awesome and related to this topic. So I think it's okay. Yeah, I love it. All right. Okay. So, uh, Sarah Kessler, it was amazing to have you here. And I'm very happy, like I told you last week in our event, but I'm extremely happy with, you know, the journey that you're doing. I've been you know, fortunate enough to like see it's happening in front of me and that's amazing. It's like mind blowing and I love it. And, uh, you know, I have a really good feeling that, you know, you will develop in this field, find like more responsibilities, more kind of cool stuff to do. Uh, and I'm very happy uh, that well, I've met you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, also I'm thrilled to have met you and you were a big part of my career journey. So thank you for that. And thank you for having me. Today. Cool. And uh, I hope that uh, you'll have the chance to travel to Brazil at some point or Portugal. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> like, I don't know, that will be extremely cool. And if I'll be in New York, I'll definitely ping you. And uh, Absolutely. I'd love to meet in real person, in real life. All yes. right. Cool. So thank you everyone for listening today. For Writers in Tech, I'm Yuval, the founder of the UX Wedding Hub, the company that brought you Writers in Tech. Today we had Sarah Kessler. Uh, please make sure, please make sure, and this is something new that we're <laughs> telling to the audience, but please uh, comment and subscribe and give us feedback on whatever app that you're using, if it's like uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, because I've heard it's uh, help with other people to find it. So if you find it useful, please share it with the world and uh, comment, like, share, and so on. Thank you very much, uh, everyone. Have a great day and see you later. Bye.